I'm so excited to tell you about Radiotopia's newest show, The Recipe with Kenji and Deb. Kenji and Deb are two of the best home cooks alive. J. Kenji Lopez-Alt of The Food Lab and The Walk, and Deb Perlman of Smitten Kitchen. Two of my go-tos to make sure I'm getting the perfect recipe for everything from meatballs to muffins. They're pros who obsess over techniques and essential ingredients, so you learn everything you need to create your perfect recipe. You can finally be excited to eat what you make, and maybe even impress your friends and family. Help us welcome the newest show to the Radiotopia family. Find The Recipe with Kenji and Deb on your favorite podcast platform starting February 26th. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I remember my mom before church. She would do the let me check what you're wearing thing. And then she would give me a list of things I'm not allowed to talk about. You know, don't do fart jokes at mass. If you do this, I swear to God, you're going to lose a present. Like she would threaten me before every event. Few things can ruin a holiday faster than the pressure of having to keep up with tradition. For Kristen, that meant enduring the annual ritual of her mom's Christmas mass lecture. And then she would make me wear these stupid white tights that always the crotch would like fall down and I was always so miserable. I was in a dress. I like, she just wanted me so badly to be like this demure little princess with long curls and a flowy dress. And I was like, I need this party to get started. For other kids like Jen, holiday traditions had a way of transforming something fun like advent calendars into something that felt more like Sunday school. My parents were like 80s divorce parents. So the only thing I really remember being traditional was every Sunday night, my mom would have us do this advent calendar. And if you really want to kill a Christmas boner for a child, it's to do these Sunday night devotionals talking about the the meanings of the advent wreath. And Jen and Kristen know a lot about bucking traditions. Because as the stars of the web series and podcast, I Mom So Hard, they don't exactly consider themselves as fitting the traditional mold of model parenting. We're experts in talking about not being experts in parenting. We're more of a what not to do as far as parenting goes. That's We largely just share where we've messed up. And if there's one thing they've learned from all those mess-ups, it's the power of making it up as you go. But what happens when the traditions you've come to rely on as a family are thrown a curveball? It's a dilemma that a lot of us are facing of late, and one that, whether we realize it or not, we've all faced growing up. This is awful. Um, One Christmas, I was so young, but all I remember is that my aunt died. Of course, I was very sad that she died because I was sad that my mom was sad. So that year, my mom and dad had to go out to the funeral. And so I had to have Christmas with a different family and follow their traditions. And all I kept thinking about was 
well, what the heck? Do I'm, Am I gonna miss out on my presents? I remember I got to watch my friend open all of her flipping presents, which was a nightmare. I got like one strawberry shortcake doll and she got like 40 and I was like, this will not do. I was so <laughs> mad at my aunt. That's the meaning of Christmas, you guys. Needless to say, Kristen got through that holiday fully intact. Proof that sometimes changing things up can be an opportunity. One that prepares us for whatever unexpected thing comes next. In a year like 2020, where there's a lot of curveballs, I think it's important to hold on to the traditions that you can and let go of the ones that are okay for one year. It's perfectly fine to break tradition. Because you will one day look back on that drunk uncle taking his shirt off before dinner's even served very fondly. <laughs> From Purex and Radiotopia, I'm Neil, and this is Mortified. Today on the show, tis the season to pivot. Tales of kids attempting to start new traditions and uphold old ones. And we promise it will be just as awkward as all those traditions you've been experiencing for decades. Hi, I'm Andrea. I grew up in Long Island in the 90s. I live with my mom, my dad, my older sister and brother, and my beloved golden retriever, Penny. Penny really was my best friend. I was nine years old when she suddenly died, and I was left with no one to tell my secrets to. For many kids, traditions are all about family togetherness. But what happens when being together just isn't possible? It's a question that Andrea faced one New Year's and inspired her to start a brand new tradition, one she hoped would ultimately bring her comfort. So on the first day of the new year, I began writing down all my thoughts in a diary, each entry addressed to Penny. At first... (laughs) (laughs) It won't be all sad, I promise. At first, I wrote about my grief at losing my dog, but soon after, Adam Brenner, my fourth grade crush, arrived on the scene. January 1st, 1996. Dear Penny, this has been the worst vacation I ever had. You got sick, and I was worried about you, and Mom was crying all the time. Then when you died, I was even more miserable. This is my first day writing, and I want you to look at this every day I write it and always look over me. January 2nd, 1996. Dear Penny, today was pretty good. I told Jen M that you died, and she told everyone else. I hope you're not mad. (laughs) I did a lot of my independent study, and I'm becoming really good friends with Julie. Tila, my cat, is really depressed without you. Mike says that either you went to doggy heaven or you reincarnated into someone I know. Okay, I'm gonna have to start cleaning my ears because they're always waxy. January 3rd, 1996. Dear Penny, today was 50-50. The morning wasn't that great because Mr. Goodcat gave bad answers and lectured me. Then Lisa and Jen were passing notes. In gym, Allison turned against me and then turned everyone else too. I got back my friendship with her at lunch. (laughs) Overall, today was great, but I did cry about three times. (laughs) January 7th, 1996. Dear Penny, today was a blizzard. It would have been very hard for you to go to the bathroom. It snowed and snowed all day through. I worked on my independent study and I got a lot done. My boards look awesome. 
One of my objectives was to design my own coin. So I did one commemorating you. Emperor of dogs, Penny the Great. I miss you a lot. No school tomorrow. January 9th, 1996. Dear Penny, school tomorrow. Wah, wah. This four-day weekend was great. I've learned a lot. I've also fallen in love with JTT, but only with his hair slicked back. January 15th, 1996. Dear Penny, I miss you deeply, and whenever I see something that reminds me of you, I start to cry. I wish you never left. Well, I gotta go. Gotta get rest for my independent study. January 21st, 1996. Dear Penny, Penny, could you come back as our next dog, please? Beg whoever you have to to be with us. I think I'm getting another bird to try to replace you, but nothing and no one could. Not even a better dog than you. But there isn't, don't worry. I miss you. January 22nd, 1996. Dear Penny, today was awesome. School was great. I understood the math and I did great in band. Then me and Lisa went online and we talked with a 15-year-old guy. <laughs> did you ask whoever you have to to be our next dog? If not, try too soon. January 23rd, 1996. Dear Penny, I went on America Online again and I met another guy. He thinks I'm 15, too. <laughs> I have a Hebrew test tomorrow. Miss you, love you, want you back. I think Adam likes me. January 25th, 1996. Dear Penny, I think Adam and I both have mixed feelings for each other. Oops, it's late, gotta go. January 31st, 1996. Dear Penny, Today I got my TV. It's awesome. It's white and bright and beautiful. I'm obsessed with it. I got my report card from Hebrew school and I got a very average. <laughs> also, I will rate the day from one to 10. Today was a nine plus. February 3rd, 1996. Dear Penny, Adam likes me. Yeah! That means I like him. But Jen said he doesn't have the guts to ask me out. I wish he did. Rate 10. February 5th, 1996. Dear Penny, happy birthday to me. Today was great. I got a really nice card from Allie. Everyone was nice. I struck double digits. 10 years old. Yeah, you. Adam is too much of a wuss to ask me out, but he probably will sooner or later. The cutest boy in fifth grade thinks I'm pretty. But Lisa's jealous and thinks Adam likes her. Maybe to lure me to Valentine's Day. Rate 20. <laughs> February 6, 1996. Dear Penny, Adam doesn't like Lisa. Thank God. Remember about a month ago I wrote, I think I have mixed feelings? Well, they just turned to whole. <laughs> Shh, you're the only one who knows. Gotta go, or as Lisa says it, GTG. <laughs> February 7th, 1996. Dear Penny, Adam is going to ask me out Sunday or Monday or Wednesday. <laughs> I wrote about you today. I'm very tired. GTG. February 8th, 1996. Dear Penny, happy birthday. We lit a candle for you. 
<laughs> February 10th, 1996. Dear Penny, Sunday school. Adam. <laughs> February 11th, 1996. I have nothing to write about except Adam is the hottest man alive. I just got an idea. Before the rate and stuff, I'm gonna make a wish. Wish, I hope Allie dies. <laughs> February 12th, 1996. Dear Penny, today was great until the end. I told Allie that Adam likes me, and she says to Adam, so I hear you're gonna ask Andrea out. And then when I called her, she denied it. Jerk. Don't have anything else to say, but I want Valentine's Day to come. Rate 10. Wish, I hope Allie's plane crashes. <laughs> February 14th, 1996. Dear Penny, happy Valentine's Day. Adam gave me a necklace, but didn't ask me out. He paid for it with his own money. Rate 10. February 15th, 1996. Dear Penny, he didn't ask me out, but I think he is at the end of school tomorrow. I'm writing a song called if only I was your girl. Wish, I want Adam to ask me out. <laughs> February 25th, 1996, Dear Penny, he asked me out last Friday. <laughs> Jen slept over and she called Adam's house and spoke to Michael who said, does Andrea wanna go out with Adam? Alanis Morissette's Ironic was playing. <laughs> So Jen says, that's our song now. <laughs> February 27th, 1996. Dear Penny, today was so embarrassing at chorus rehearsal. Adam was watching and I couldn't even look at him. He was also laughing with Holly and Nicole. Ugh, that makes me sick. Wish I'm not shy around Adam. March 10th, 1996. Dear Penny, Jen saved me a seat behind Adam and embarrassed both of us. Fuck her sometimes. <laughs> we went to an awesome restaurant. They cooked the food right in front of you at the table. March 11th, 1996. Dear Penny, today was so-so. Jen said Adam's thinking of dumping me, but I don't think he can. And I hope he can't. I saw Holly go over to him and pat his back, and it made me sick. March 13th, 1996. Dear Penny, the most weirdest thing happened. Brian W. likes Lisa, Adam likes Julie, and A Lisa likes Adam B., asshole. <laughs> but thank God he doesn't like her. I'm about to invite Adam over to play Monopoly on Friday. Mom told me to do it. <laughs> March 20th, 1996. I made a necklace for Adam and Jen gave it to him for me and he wore it. I felt really good. <laughs> April 10th, 1996. Dear Penny, today was great. I went over to Adam's house. Jen came and his friend Seth. I was embarrassed at first, and then I became unembarrassed. <laughs> he beat up his brother a lot, and Evan pinched Jen's butt and looked up her skirt. He's in the first grade. <laughs> we played hide and go seek. Then we played Monopoly. Also, I saw his thank you cards in a stack, and I was on top. <laughs> Rate one million. <laughs> March 21st, 1997. 
Wish, now I'm not embarrassed in school. May 2nd, 1996, dear Penny, 37 days of school left, 50 something more days until camp. I had an awesome fantasy about Adam today. I can't stop thinking about it. Well, <laughs> I never worked up the courage to actually talk to Adam in school, but we continued to date throughout fourth grade. And then he dumped me unceremoniously in a letter that he sent to me at camp that said, roses are red, violets are blue, garbage is dumped, and so are you. <laughs> Don't worry, I got over it. <laughs> and while no pet could ever replace Penny, I now have a sweet cat, Dante, who I tell all my secrets to. Thank you. That was Andrea at a mortified event in Brooklyn at Littlefield. Hi, I'm Tanya. Um, and I grew up in Salt Lake City in a really devout Mormon family. Um, mother, father, sister, brother, so kind of small for a Mormon family. Kids like Tanya are brought up with lots of faith-based traditions. But one such tradition ultimately led her to wonder just how traditional she really wanted to be. I started keeping a journal from the age of 10 because I felt it was my religious duty. The Mormon Church encourages its members to keep track of their personal histories for the benefit of their future kids and grandkids. So what you're about to hear are some excerpts from my journal from when I was 13 to 15, started in 1987. Um, you'll notice me struggling to set what I thought would be a good example at a time in my life when all I really secretly wanted was to get laid. <laughs> or at least be allowed to go out on an actual date. <laughs> November 7th, 1987. Sometimes it seems like I just have to tell you things because I can't tell anyone else. I hope this doesn't mean I'm conceited or narcissistic or anything, except sometimes it's depressing to me when I think that nobody is going to appreciate my body until I'm married. <laughs> nobody can even look at my body without clothes on until I'm married. And I think it's rather a shame. <laughs> Partly because I think I have a pretty nice looking body, particularly my breasts all things considered, but I can't even get a second opinion until I'm married. Oh, well. But getting a second opinion before I'm married isn't worth the price. So I just have to wait. And it's terrible having to wait. That's why I kind of wish it was the law to get married when you're 14. <laughs> but that's a stupid daydream. Because what if you had to choose really fast and you got stuck with a jerk? Sometimes I hope nobody reads this until I'm dead. 
November 11th. Sometimes I hope nobody even reads this after I'm dead. I'm supposed to be keeping a journal here, not a secret diary. This is supposed to be an inspiration for future generations. If I cut out all that stuff about my body and junk, people will wonder what was so terrible. And if I don't, they'll probably be repulsed. I don't want to be like Martha James Cragen Cox, my pioneer ancestor, who burned her journal and wrote a watered-down personal history instead. So, historical note, um, that particular ancestor was, uh, lived in the 1800s when Mormons were still practicing polygamy. So you'd better bet I wanted to read her unexpurgated <laughs> journal. February 23rd, I was in the waiting room at the dentist, and there on the counter was a magazine. Pretty harmless if you only look at the cover, right? (laughs) Wrong. (laughs) Emblazoned on the cover in red was this. Answer your sex questions. Is oral sex right for me? Page 203. Ha! People who write into magazines with sex questions are mentally imbalanced, in my opinion. People who answer them and get the answers published in a trashy newspaper are either A, sexologists, B, dumb informationists, or C, gross us all outologists. <laughs> May 15th. There are some girls in the locker room who just swear like crazy. I'll give you an example, but I'm warning you not to read it as it is an X-rated sentence. <laughs> and I told that little bitch she could just fucking kiss off or I'd fucking sue her. Jeez. Sometimes I have to tell them to tone it down. Maybe edit their language a bit? In other news, Charles is having trouble understanding that complex word, no. He keeps embracing me in the hallway. Some guys, I don't care if they hug me, but I, th- I don't think Charles means just to be friendly. I feel like saying, get your crummy cotton-picking hands off of me, you slimy scum bucket. (laughs) September 21st. I can't help feeling lonely. It's terrible. It always is. I've got to stop writing this stuff. But it seems like you're the only thing, person, I don't know, that I can talk to about it. Probably I'll laugh this off in five years as childish, and I guess that's good. I don't always want to be like this. It gets very frustrating at times. My mother is watching 16 Candles. It's supposedly because her teacher at the university recommended it for gaining insight on adolescent behavior. (laughs) I wanted to watch it. This is the TV version where they take out the swear words and nudity and stuff. It's edited. And mom still wouldn't let me watch it. October 2nd. 
I wrote something about what the Mormon philosophy expected me to do in my English journal, and I talked to my teacher about the grow up, get married, etc. version of the typical LDS lifestyle. She said she didn't think I would end up doing that. I was too smart. Ha. I am reluctant to be like everyone else, and I hate being typical. I have to try harder, though. I think I've shunned asking God about some of my problems, like boys, because I don't want to hear the answer. I assumed you couldn't like boys and be spiritual at the same time. I have kind of had... I have kind of had a conceptualized image of good girl. Well, I can be my own kind of good. <laughs> October 18th. Seminary is great. Brother Brown is terrific. But he always uses me as an example. If we could drag Tanya here down, probably 10 more people will fall by the end of the year. If a role model fails, it's a lot easier to justify your own failings, etc. It makes me feel like such a hypocrite. If they only knew all the things I do wrong, I have a lot of bad traits. I'm selfish sometimes and a chronic procrastinator. I break promises all the time. Sometimes I forget my prayers. I think rude thoughts about some people. I'm too sarcastic and I'm very confused. <laughs> December 11th. Okay, Tanya, this is it. I will not tolerate this behavior any longer. It's underlined. When your parents say they're afraid they've raised an airhead, there is something wrong. <laughs> it is time for some action, positive, goal-oriented action. New Year's resolutions in December. I can't wait until New Year's. My life will fall apart before then. So, I'm going to make a whole bunch of goals. One, raise my grades. Two. Be careful with Josh relationship. Okay, so, um, <laughs> Josh was a junior varsity basketball player who I had been talking to on the phone for two weeks. Okay, that's it, that's all, okay. <laughs> Three, practice piano. Four, stop lying. Five, be more spiritual. These are crucial. Things it would be nice to do are namely be perfect, you know, clean room, gorgeous hair and body while still being humble. 4.0s, stop listening to rock and roll, maybe. Get better in gymnastics, be as good as a concert pianist, and take up violin as well. Also, take up ballet, memorize the scriptures, get 800s on SATs, be a peacemaker, visit the sick and afflicted, never... <laughs> never say anything bad about anyone and still remain an interesting person.
December 30th. So uh, December 30th was the day after Josh told me that he would not be calling me anymore because he had started talking to um, another girl who was 16 and therefore old enough to actually go on dates. Why? Why does life have to be this way? Why can't I just have it easy like some other people? Why don't things happen the way I want them to? Why am I so confused? Life is so frustrating. Why? Why can't I just wish things and they would happen? Why can't I just snap my fingers? Why isn't there any magic in this world? Why are we doomed to a dull life of numbers and computers and machines and air pollution? Why is everything so cold and unemotional and insensitive? Whatever happened to human intellect? Why? Why? Why can't I just know these things? Am I just too naive? What's wrong with me? January 18th. I think I must be boy crazy. It kind of scares me, but I don't want to give up thinking about them because I like them so much. <laughs> Maybe Blanche from A Streetcar Named Desire has wormed her way into my personality and, and, and I've turned into a nymphomaniac. <laughs> but nymphomaniacs are at least interesting. I mean, wouldn't it just be an enriching experience for all the people who know me to say they'd known a sex maniac? Actually, I'm just very confused. I don't know what I believe in or what I want. If I knew, for instance, that death was it, then I would just be a different person. I'd adopt a me-first idea and just be a nymphomaniac if the fancy struck me. <laughs> you know, have fun while you can. I don't think I'd do drugs or anything, or cigarettes or coffee. <laughs> but if I had a drink once, I don't think I'd die of remorse. Well, you can see what my weakness is. I sort of like to entertain the fantasy that me, three other girls, and four guys were all stranded on a tropical island. <laughs> Notice, I have more than just me and someone because life needs to be interesting. <laughs> we, we have tons of provisions and the island has lots of food and clean streams. We have sunscreen and insect repellent. <laughs> so we can get tan and no heat stroke. We have pots and pans and things to tide us over until we learn to use the natural resources. We know we won't be rescued for exactly 10 years and then only if there are nine or more people to rescue. So, You guys are quick, you're quick. <laughs> so sex is quite okay. And 
we have good instructions on how to deliver babies. And we plant rice and watermelon seeds and don't wear any clothes and build shelters and get really tan, but never have a really bad storm or anything really bad happen. There, Tanya's idea of utopia. <laughs> My religion believes that sex before marriage is wrong. So I invent impossible ways around it. Like, there's no way off a desert island unless someone gets pregnant. Or, it's a law, either to have sex or get married before age 17 or something. How totally ridiculous can you get? Of course, I never imagine sex in detail. I, I, I just imagine myself in situations where it is not taboo. I have the opportunity with no regrets and no sin attached. Of course, I'm not going to have premarital sex, but I guess deep down I'm sort of afraid I'll never get married and I'll die before knowing what the big fuss is about. <laughs> In a rebellious mood, I told Heavenly Father I would just have sex anyway if I weren't married by the age of 35. That's not true, though. Uh, unless I knew there was no God. In which case, I'd do whatever I pleased. Kind of hypocritical, huh? I'm not usually this agnostic, I promise. Forgive me, will you? Yeah, I'm human, just like everyone else. So... <laughs> So just a little postscript. Um, so given how anxious I was to get married as a, as a teenager, it probably won't surprise anyone to hear that I got married at the age of 19 um, to a guy who was an atheist and, and, a, and a feminist and who agreed right from the beginning to have an open marriage. So. We're still together, and <laughs> and we, we live in an eco-village along with um, my other partner, and um, so, so it's really been the best of both worlds because on the one hand, I get to have the kind of life I always wanted, including two amazing children and like getting to can things and knit things and embroider things and like forage and plant rice and watermelon. I'm kidding. Um, and on the other hand, I've gotten to have some scandalous adventures. So while Portland is not a tropical island and has been terrible for my tan, um, pretty sure that my 13-year-old self would be thrilled. Thanks. That was Tanya at a Mortified event in Portland, Oregon. Now, in keeping with the theme of traditions, we close today's episode with what we hope becomes a new holiday tradition for you to play at home with loved ones. Playing our game, I Can't Believe I Did That, which, by the way, now available in stores. So we invited our two resident experts on untraditional traditions. 
Jen has the most unforgettable stories. Which is ironic because I've blocked a lot of them out. Jen and Kristen from the I Mom So Hard podcast to share some childhood stories by answering one of the prompts from the game. Namely one that invites them to share a story about a moment from childhood when they were totally gullible. Oh, this is all the time for me. I'll believe anything you say to me. I remember one time my cousin Kurt told me that if you stood in front of the mirror three times and you said, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, she would appear, a witch would appear and cut off your head. And I was hook, line, and sinker. I would not go in front of a mirror for like three weeks. One night I got in my my bedroom and I got in front of my mirror and I was like, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. And then I hit the ground and I rolled underneath the dresser and I was like, I am not coming out. So I stayed underneath the dresser and I decided I was not going to leave. So I peed while I was under there. And then... Because I was convinced she was just in the reflection waiting for me and she was going to murder me. I have a moment where I was very gullible. I think it was one of those Christmases when I was at my grandparents' house in Oklahoma. My uncles thought it would be really hilarious to convince four or five-year-old Jen to eat some hearts training treats that were for a dog. Oh, no. They looked... They look just like, you know, the uniced animal cookies. And I, I was like half a box in when my mom came in and was like, what is going on in here? So she screams at her brothers and, you know, they apologize to her and to me, of course. But then for the rest of the trip, they were telling me, oh, your coat's so shiny. Your hair's so shiny on your Jen, Jen later went on to poop in the front yard. She just decided yeah. to lean into the. You know what? Finish the game. And this concludes our look at childhood traditions. And if you'd like to start your own tradition playing our game with loved ones this holiday season, you can. Get it now on Amazon, Powell's Books, or learn more at getmortified.com slash game. I'm going to play I Can't Believe I Did That. You know what, Jen? We're going to play that on Trivia Night. And that's not our only new project to check out this season. If you're a parent, check out our brand new podcast for tweens called Ooh, You're in Trouble a show featuring true stories of kids breaking the rules and what they learned in the process. From sneaking out to protesting the school's sexist dress code, this is the one series you do not have to turn off when the kids get in the car. And to share the shame, follow Mortified on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. As many of you know, the Mortified podcast is a proud member of Radiotopia from PureX. And if your company would like to support this podcast, we'd love that. Just email sponsor at radiotopia.fm. To learn more about Jen and Kristen's podcasts and web series and books, just visit mymomsohard.com. Our podcast production team for this episode includes Aaron Garber, Hadley Dion, Dave Nadelberg, and myself, Neil Ketcher. Stories were produced for the stage by Egan Dennehy. End credit music by Snake Snake Snakes. Big thanks to all the dedicated Mortified Live producers, especially the amazing Alex Hewitt, who helped with today's show. Until next time, we remind you that we are freaks, we are fragile, and we all survived our strange family traditions. Mortified.